0: In today's episode of the Legendary Life Podcast, we welcome Ryan Yakovyevich to the show. Ryan is a dating coach and a relationship counselor, and you can find out more about him at ryananswers.com. Ryan has a really interesting story about how he wanted to do a science-based major in school and become an astrophysicist, but a woman happened and his experience in going through the pickup community, going through counseling, nothing was helping him. He didn't feel like he was getting the type of information he needed, the type of support he needed. So what did he do? He started his own counseling business. He became a coach and a counselor, and you are going to hear about that story, and you're gonna also hear about how you can effectively improve your relationships and why the pickup community may not be the best place to become a better man. All that and more is coming up. Ryan Yakovievich, welcome to the Legendary Life Podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, and this is part take two. Because we did a first take, but there were some audio things up with it. So we decided to do it again. That's the dedication to audio quality in general that we have. But Ryan, actually glad that we have this second take because I know we're just going to crush it even harder than the first time. Definitely crushing big things. That's it. So let's get started by talking about your background, your story, because you're a counselor, you counsel men, you counsel women, you counsel couples. So you know the entire spectrum of the guy's perspective, the woman's perspective, what happens when they're together you have and you have a really interesting story of how you got into this. You were in the pickup community, you've done martial arts for a long time. You have a really great story, and for those of the listeners that don't know your story, could you just describe how you got into counseling? and all the other stuff that we talked about before. Absolutely, man. Well, I've been doing martial arts, boxing, Muay Thai,
1: Jiu-Jitsu, and whatnot since I was about six years old. So that's coming up on 20 years now, on and off. And that's definitely formed kind of the foundation of my sense of confidence and discipline and all that stuff. As far as counseling goes, I actually was originally interested in astrophysics. I wanted to Big Bang and how galaxies form and solve all these big questions that plague our species. Then a woman came along. Isn't that always the story? It ended kind of rough, as you know, for the people who don't. There was uh, some cheating involved and just like big fucking train wreck, man. It was a catastrophe. And so I went to a counselor. It was the usual, like, how does that make you feel note taking bullshit? And I'm sitting there kind of creeping over like, hey, what you writing down there and shielding her notes. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm paying you $200 an hour. You're Sitting there, reflecting at me, asking me how stuff makes me feel. This is crazy. She's so drawing stick else. figures, I think. Yeah, pretty much. I have a feeling if I could see it, that's what it would have been. And she's looking at her watch, and I just I could tell she didn't really give a shit. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I get it. You know, you're not going to care about everybody you see, but maybe we're just not a good fit. So I went to the next guy, and then I saw another woman after that. And short story is, all three of them were brutal. And I was like, look, the first law of business, at least as far as I've been told, is. If there's an industry in which people are not having their needs met, there's an opportunity for you to make some money. And more importantly, for me, at least, make a difference. And so I dropped the whole astrophysics thing. I started studying psychology and then I opened my own counseling practice.
0: Yeah. And that's really cool. And the whole thing where you had these dreams of deciphering the stars and the physics involved and all of a sudden this very terrestrial problem that happens in relationships just took you off that and gave you what it seems like is passion, especially after you went on and dealt with those therapists. I mean, I've been in therapy a few times. And one thing I want to get to eventually is talking about the past versus focusing on what you want to accomplish in your life. Mm-hmm. But that's a great story. But you also spent some time in the pickup industry yeah, as well.
1: Yeah, that was an interesting time. While I was looking around for answers, while I was in my first uh, with my first counselor, I came across a famous pickup company's website, and particularly their forum. And through that, I ended up meeting a guy at Edmonton, who I'm still friends with, and he convinced me to drive three hours down to Calgary to see this guy named Zan Perrion. And so we went down and saw him speak, and I really liked the concept. So I got into it. And long story short, me and a few other guys started up this Edmonton community. And I think at the time, five or six nights a week, I I honestly still don't know how I did it. Maybe I was 19. You know, my liver was indestructible at that point in my life. But after about four months of going out nonstop, I, I realized it wasn't really for me. I wasn't interested in going and sleeping with a lot of women. My interest was solving my own self-esteem issues and figuring out why I didn't really like myself and why I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. And for that, I needed to not to belittle pickup, but I needed to transcend that and find answers in different ways.
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense. And one thing that came up during our last talk was that a lot of these concepts that the pickup guys use and throw around and really use him like, wow, this is a great concept. you learned in your first year of psychology (laughs) of studying psychology
1: here i am thinking i'm this high uppity pickup guy i'm like oh shit if the rest of the guys knew this stuff i knew and then go through my first psych course my first sociology course my first philosophy course and i'm like so what these guys took one year of university dropped out and then just totally peddled all this stuff as these revolutionary concepts and some of them were pretty misused too like I don't want to pick on anybody in particular, but there's one psych concept called your reticular activation system that a famous company really pushes and they totally, they got it really wrong. They say that it's like this, radar where women become of high value men, but really it's just a part of your brain that regulates sleep and arousal. So there's all these like little <laughs> things that have been totally twisted and blown up. And I definitely got a new perspective on pickup after my first year, that's for sure.
0: Well I want to talk more about the reticular activating system because it's something I learned about when I was studying neurophysiology and neuroanatomy oh, and cool. so
1: you know all about that.
0: Well I wouldn't say all, but we're not going to talk about it right now. So don't worry guys if you're <laughs> okay. like, oh my God, really reticular activ- system. off. Frodo. That's yes. yes, great. The uh, neurochemicals drive me crazy. Yeah, we're not going to go down that route, but you and I maybe after this talk about it. So let's start with this because you have such great insight. And personally, Ryan, I think that is super cool. You have this academic knowledge. I mean, I've spoken to you several times. You're very intelligent and very knowledgeable. You know your Shots. stuff, but also you have this experience this life breakups the parting the pickup and that makes you a very well-rounded wise individual because I've been talked to people who have maybe one, but not the other. And it really makes a difference to have both. And it shows up in speaking with you. So I couldn't think of a better counselor than someone like you. I mean, I don't want to go to a guy. It's like, oh, well, I I want to date a bunch of women. He's like, well, I've only had sex with my wife. There's no (laughs) relation there, right? There's no empathy there. Let's start with dating. Like, Where are guys getting wrong in dating? I think
1: the biggest thing is the idea that you have to develop an indestructible persona. Like you always got to know the right thing to say. You always got to be smooth. You always got to be funny. And it ends up Creating a ton of pressure and it ends up creating obstacles, like psychological obstacles. And since you're putting up filters and walls and you're guarding yourself, you're making sure you're portraying yourself in a certain way, you can't relate like that. The whole idea is the less stuff between you and the other person, the closer that connection is going to be. And if you're too afraid to put your vulnerable self, to put your goofy or your weird side out there, then you'll never know who could have liked that. And there's a lot of people that's what they're looking for. They just want somebody else who who they can chill with and be real with and relax with. And if you're too focused on being an alpha male kind of guy, then you're missing out on that.
0: Yeah. Or if you're too into like, oh, what was that pickup routine I was supposed to demonstrate oh. higher value now or attraction spike or I all this is a one point eight B. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. And I've learned some stuff over the years. I would never call myself a pickup artist, but I have learned from those guys. But, and some of it has helped me. But when it's gotten too complex and trying like the reticular activation and just misinterpreted science is not helping anybody out of those guys they're not a really quick story i went and did this free tour sd guys put on and i like some of those guys but i was looking around i'm like these guys some of them are getting laid like rock stars but it was very obvious that they weren't complete in other areas of their life and that's not me judging them like hey man you need a bigger biceps to be cooler it was you could tell the guy was like man i'm hooking up with all these girls but he was spending all his time hooking up with women that he wasn't spitting on other things that he really wanted to do is the vibe like from several of them
1: i've never met them personally but from pickup in general there are a lot of positives but the overwhelming negative and common factor is exactly what you just said it just reeks of i need validation
0: yeah not good. Well, how do we start becoming that person who's able to be vulnerable, like you said, and maybe learns a couple things from you, from some of the pickup guys that have interviewed, maybe from somewhere else, they got some of this pickup information. How do they become this more natural guy who's like, yeah, you know, I'm strong most of the time, but uh, you know, I'm human like everybody else and I'm not perfect and I'm not Mr. Smooth 100% of the time. How do we get to that point?
1: there's a lot of people who will give you advice or say that you just have to do X, Y, Z to get there. But personally, I think you have to find people who are already there and then learn from them and hang out with them. I think the only reason I'm able to do that is because I've been lucky enough growing up with some really cool friends who are like really solid guys and Goofy and weird and then missing the whole you can't be dominant or you can't scrap when you have to or or whatever they have both sides of that so I've been lucky enough to see that if you don't have anybody like that in your life the only thing I can really suggest is trying it and see what happens if you have like a potentially I don't know embarrassing or awkward story. If somebody rejects you because of that, I think they're probably too uptight to be in your life anyways. And the only way to get comfortable with doing something is to do it and to try it. And it's going to feel weird at first. But the thing you need is positive reference experiences. That's one thing that, say, RSD preaches that is actually really good advice. If you want to change your beliefs, you need evidence for that. And the only way to get that is to go out and try to be vulnerable and try showing parts of yourself that maybe you're not too comfortable showing. Emotionally, Obviously don't go showing like other parts of yourself in public, but you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean.
0: Not those parts,
1: guys. Not Jeez. yet, not those.
0: Yeah, no, you bring up some great points and I love hearing your perspective on it because you just the whole thing of having been in that group of people, the pickup artists, and then moving on from that, maturing from that and becoming the counselor that you are today. And it's really cool to hear it. So one of the things we talked about before, Ryan, thought was super interesting and I think very important, not just to the single guys, it's important to the couples. And I want to talk about relationships in a second because you do a lot on that. But we covered the concept of identity. And it's so important in what I do in personal training because my niche, or niche rather, is- uh, I've always wondered how to say
1: that. I'm like, alternate back and forth. So at least if I'm wrong, I'm only wrong half the time.
0: I said it because you're Canadian and actually the English way to say it is niche. Niche is how
1: I feel it should be said. But then I'm like, well, he does tons of podcasts. He talks to lots of people. If he says it's niche, I mean.
0: Yeah, it's a deference to authority. I like it. The whole idea of identity and the niche that I deal with, very successful businessmen for the most part. I train women, actually probably half women, but even the women actually, they don't identify themselves as fitness people. And it's a slow process to get them to the point where, oh, I love working out and I'm a workout person now and I never saw myself as being a workout person, but this applies to to all areas of life. Ryan, could you please explain identity, what it is, how it's controlling like our life and dictating certain things in our life, maybe without us even knowing? You're
1: absolutely right. Most of the time, people are totally unaware of their identity. And if you ever think that you're totally self-aware, like I did at one point in my life, I thought that I had all the answers and I'm such an enlightened person. And I don't remember what triggered it, but one day I was just kind of chilling in my room or whatever, reading and I had this thought. I was like, when did I sit down and decide to believe the things that I believe now? And the answer is I never did. It was just a bunch of shit my parents told me, stuff I was kind of socialized into believing. My identity was just like a big mashup of random scraps of life experience. I don't know if it really served me well at that time. I never even thought about it. And I think that's where most people are at. If you've never sat down to think about what you believe and if it's in your best interest to believe that, chances are your identity is something that's kind of brooding below the surface and pushing you in directions and causing you to act in ways might not really be in your best interests.
0: Yeah, I think in most cases, this type of topic and this talk about it would be way over the heads of the majority of people. but you listen to this show, you listen to all the great guests that are on this show. So this is right up your alley. If you're looking to change your life, you got to kind of change who you are a little bit and or maybe a lot of bit. I don't know. But how do we go about figuring out our identity and how we want to change it to get what we want in life? You pay me a lot of money, man. (laughs) What's that PayPal account?
1: Yeah, no kidding. No, the simple answer is think about identity as an instruction manual. And the reason I say that is because the common factor between how your identity forms is what kind of challenges you face. If you look at consistent patterns of identity and what causes them, the common factor is demographics, where you live, how much money you make, how much money your parents make, your education level. And with those things, you'll find really common beliefs and values like certain places are more conservative or certain places are more liberal or maybe if you're born in America, you're a Christian and if you're born in the Middle East, you're a Muslim. I mean, whatever you believe in, basically it serves your needs and allows you to navigate the challenges you're most likely to face in that environment.
0: Yeah, well said. And uh, just maybe make that relevant to the guy who's listening right now is maybe a little confused. So what Ryan just said is who your parents are how much money they make, what they believe is right, what area of the world they live in, that's all going to kind of diffuse into you, influence how you think about things. So if you're, for instance, if you come from, a family and your parents always struggle financially and money is always an issue and money's is so hard to get, oh God, we're broke again. Oh, we can't afford things. Oh God, no, it's so hard to get money. You may believe that when we're actually living, the reality is that we're living in a time where there's more opportunity than ever. And by the way, Ryan, I mean, I grew up, my parents were very successful attorneys, but they still struggled with money, right? And went off and did some the things I did, that was still their identity. Oh, you have to go to school, you have to get good grades, and then you come out and you, job. Yeah, the instructions and, for life, right? The instructions for life, like you said, and I kind of walked away from that. And if you're listening right now, you can walk away from those limiting beliefs that affect 100%. your identity. You want to talk about that, man? You're more qualified to speak on that than me. The limiting beliefs and how that affects and how it's not maybe related, how our beliefs may not be related to what actually is reality.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: The best analogy I've ever heard is like, there's a jar, say, of a
1: thousand jelly beans and you can't see what color they are. And you pick out a hundred and they're all red, for example. You're probably going to assume that the rest of them are all red as well, even though you might've just got really unlucky. And the same thing happens in life. You might feel like, oh, money's so hard to come by. Life's a big struggle. But in reality, you're part of a very small group that just happens to be struggling. And if you could access the same beliefs that successful people have, you could achieve the same results. Because basically, the chain goes like this. Your beliefs affect your behaviors, which affect your actions. Now, obviously, nobody wakes up wanting to be a car thief, for example. That's the only behavior they know to achieve the results they want. So if you want to achieve different results, you got to look at, okay, who's achieving what I want to achieve? What are they doing? And do your best to emulate that. Never going to work perfectly, obviously, but you pick it up as you go and you can definitely transform yourself. For example, I don't know anything about business. I just kind of read some books. I walked out of my job one day. I'd had enough and started the counseling thing. And it was Tough, but I developed these new behaviors and these new beliefs that allowed me to achieve my goals of you know self employment and self reliance and stuff like that.
0: There you go. And you can do it too if you're listening to this right now and you have some beliefs it may not be about money, it may not be about business, maybe it's about getting in shape, maybe it's about what you believe about women and dating or marriage relationships. And this is a good time to segue into that because you counsel people in relationships, both men and women. You also counsel people post-relationship problems that I see on your website. What are the common issues that you counsel people for in relationships that you counsel men for specifically? The biggest thing
1: I work on with men, believe it or not, is self-esteem, especially for Those of us who grew up with either no father figure present or with a really bad relationship with our father figure, that a lot of the time leads to a craving male validation. I don't want to go as far as to say it's genetic, but... Men tend to need somebody as we're teenagers to say, okay, you're a man now and to kind of pass us torch. And it makes sense if you think about it from like a tribal perspective, you're the chief son or whatever you're growing up and you just want to know that you're doing a good job, man. And like, you're good enough. You're going to be okay. And if you don't have anybody to ever tell you that, a lot of times that leaves a kind of emotional wound there. And I see it most commonly in divorced men because a lot of times we try to fill that with women and when that doesn't work out guys end up just totally destroyed and they come to me just not knowing what to do. How do I rebuild myself? Man, like why does this happen? How am I so inadequate as a man that she left me or that she cheated on me? You know, why, what does this say about me? That's one of the most common things I work with men.
0: I want to just chime in and then I want to hear more because I got a very powerful message from one of the listeners talking about what he was going through. I've actually had a few divorce guys that I've spoken to in depth, and he seemed to be doing okay, and we didn't talk about it too much. But one guy in particular said he had some really bad problems. He ended up cheating and going crazy, and then he's got kids, and he wants to be the right man, but he's just messed up. He doesn't... I don't think he's messed up. I think he's having a struggle in trying to look at the rest of his life and say, how can I recover from this? How can I be the man that I should be for my kids? How can I go on and find keep things cool with my ex-wife as cool as you can? Well, yeah. Well, how do I become involved in dating again and find a woman who I'm going to be in a better situation with and not repeat these bad patterns? how do we do it, Ryan? I mean, you're the counselor. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll do my best here. Uh, for the, put all the, the pressure on version. you.
1: I'm like, holy shit, I should have made some notes. <laughs> the way to do it, first of all, is to acknowledge the things you're afraid of. If you just shove fear down and you try to pretend like it's not there, the more you resist something, the stronger it persists. And that's just not my opinion. That's a proven thing. It's a proven phenomenon. So the first step might be to go, look, I'm in a bit of a tough spot. I don't know how to do this. It terrifies the shit out of me that maybe I'm not capable of providing the kind of life I want to provide for my kids or my family. And once you do that, you can drop those mental guards that are present. They kind of protect you. They stop you from digging any deeper because you hit some painful shit. And if you're not able to accept that, you're never going to be able to see it. It's what you would call a blind spot. And so to access your blind spots, first, you got to acknowledge the fear and accept that it's okay to be afraid of stuff sometimes. It's not really a big deal. Then you can start looking at, okay, so where's that coming from? What will happen to me? What's the worst case scenario? And then start looking at, am I catastrophizing? Am I exaggerating what bad stuff can happen? Am I exaggerating the likelihood that it'll happen? Because realistically, man, it's pretty hard to fail in today's society. Like even if you go out into the world trying to do something and you totally fuck up royally, you have nothing to do. You're not going to starve. You're not going to die. You can just start over again. And I mean, that's absolute worst case. So the second part is acknowledging what could go wrong and being cool with it. And the third step is starting to build from there. It's like, okay, these are the things that could happen. Whatever. I'm cool with that. Here's where I go. Here's the things that I'm into. Here's how I want my life to look. And then start trying to build at that and creating or in some cases recreating yourself from scratch and going from there.
0: Great advice there. I mean, I haven't personally been down that particular road. I had a lot of stuff. Happened to me when I was young, and I was like, My life is over. My life is going to be shitty. It, there's no possible way it could get any better from this terrible point right now. I don't see it. I don't believe it can happen. Of course, that was part of my identity and limiting beliefs that I had to get over. But thanks for giving that advice. And if you're in a spot where you're really having a tough time, make sure you seek out a guy like Ryan because of his background and his understanding and his knowledge about counseling and psychology, but make sure you get some help because we all need help. I have coaches and mentors who help me in the things that I have trouble with. So make sure you have that covered because listening to a podcast is good and you may take some things away from it, but you may be better served and have your problems handled quickly. Even though it may cost a little bit of money, you can handle things quickly if you work with a guy like Ryan who can sort you out much faster. So sorry to interrupt you there. We talked before about telling stories instead of just kind of rambling. I feel like
1: I have a pretty good story for that scenario. And maybe people will be better served by hearing what I went through and how I did it rather than, you know, me listing off some steps, you know, let's do it. Well, for me, I was in that situation to go more in depth on what I said earlier. I had been dating a girl for three years and she told me she wanted to go visit an old family friend, like her cousin or whatever. So I'm like, yeah, sure. She didn't drive and it was pretty far. So I was like, yeah, of course I'll drive you. You know, you haven't seen this guy in a long time. You want to reconnect. Uh, I used to, play together as kids or whatever what sure and so we go over there and we're all hanging out and must have passed out on the couch or something and when I woke up things were kind of weird you know in the car on the drive home and then she just starts crying I'm like what's wrong and she's like yeah you know I fucked so-and-so while you were sleeping on the couch like 10 feet away from me and I was like uh what like (laughs) wow are you joking like what do you what do you mean you had sex with him I was sleeping right there what you know and even now I can feel myself slipping back into that in headspace it was terrifying to me at the time man I was like I thought I was gonna be with this girl forever I thought my problems were handled my self-esteem for once was feeling good because I had filled that with the affection of a woman and not only is it damaging that happened but it was also the one thing I felt securely attached to had been ripped away. So there was also damage to my ability to reach out and trust. And that really made me close up a lot. I didn't really want to deal with that anymore. And so I went out and my solution was to cheat back. So I went and I fucked some other girl. I felt good probably for a couple of days. But then, you know, that wasn't a relationship. She went off and did whatever. It was just like a couple of hookups and I was back to square one. And After that, I got some pretty messed up messages. She would text me saying, oh, I did this sexual thing that she wouldn't ever do with me. And she did it with the new guy. And I would stuck with these images of this dude doing this stuff to her. And it was tearing me up, man. It was totally destroying my life. And my confidence was gone. My self-esteem was gone. It was probably the lowest I've ever been. And from there, the only thing I could really think of to do was to just sit, alone in my room and stop trying to run away or hide it. Everyone's like, oh, just go to the gym, bro. And, you know, fucking work that shit off or (laughs) come out to the bar, buddy, you know, fucking take home some chicks, you know, just fuck your way out of it. I was like, no, dude, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to hide from it. I want to figure this out. I'm sick of feeling this way. And so my resolution was to sit in my room and just feel terrible and just be okay with feeling terrible. And I would sit there alone with no distractions, no books, no TV, no phone. And just think, why has this happened? Why do I feel the way I do? And peel back the layers. And it was about that time where I started going out a lot, and I stopped doing that because ultimately it became a distraction. And what I discovered was I never really had approval. I didn't really think I was a capable guy, I didn't really think I was worthy of a lot of different things. And when I came upon those beliefs and was able to look at them clearly, in some cases with the help of psychedelics and stuff that I experimented with, it really changed my perspective and it informed me of the level of work I had to do. And from there is when I started implementing the stuff I talked about earlier, I thought, all right, well, I don't have any hobbies. What's a good hobby? I'm like, well, I don't have any friends. Where's a good place to meet friends? And I felt like I was a new person thrown into a new environment where I had nothing and nobody and kind of had to go from there.
0: Wow. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that situation that you were in. Maybe not exactly the same and having to build your way back up. Ryan, I posted something on Facebook the other day. I think this is a good time to talk about it because we can talk about cheating. We can talk about the types of women out there. And basically it was a story about (laughs) the guy found out that his wife was sleeping with the trainer who she was seeing like five days a week. They were having sex together, at least allegedly, right? We don't really know the whole story, but the guy went kind of crazy and he put this trainer who I actually know who hurt one of my other clients, left him bad Yelp reviews and really just acting out, put flyers up all over the place, calling her a whore who drives the black Porsche panamera and naming her and like just going crazy and a bunch of people commented on it one young guy he was like 22 he's like oh well it's her fault that she cheated because you shouldn't cheat because you should be mature and just communicate to your husband and then some other people chimed in and i chimed in what's your take on a situation like that Uh, my thoughts are look Cheating is never
1: the fault of the person who is cheated on. It's never a small amount their fault. It's a really slippery slope, man. And I can understand why some people would go, Look, you got to do a certain job of meeting your partner's needs. Well, cheating is very rarely about somebody's needs not being met. The amount of people I have worked for, or worked with, I guess you would say, that have been having a great sex, they're happy together. They've been having regular great sex. I'm not talking once a month. I mean, you know, and somebody still goes and has an affair. The common thread in everybody I've worked with that has cheated on their spouse is something lacking within themselves. And I don't think it has much to do with needs at all, I think it has more to do with opportunity. And the only time I ever find myself getting frustrated with somebody who is talking to me, the cheater I mean, who's talking to me about why they did it, is when they don't own up and just say, look, I just really wanted to fuck so-and-so. If that's what you say, I'm cool with you because you're being straight with me. Cheating isn't about needs. It's not about bad relationships. It's about you not having something and dealing with it in a way that violates the agreement you made with your partner.
0: Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I agree with everything you're saying. I'm curious about your opinion on if I'm the guy who got cheated on Mm -hmm. and, okay, I realize that it's really what you said. Like, she was horny... And she was horny, you know? (laughs) She felt some attraction with the guy, and then they hooked up. They spent a lot of time. There's attraction there. They both were willing to cross that boundary. It's that simple to me, man. I'm with you on that. And I think it has more to do with our biological programming and whatnot. But maybe you can say something about that. But is there any value for the guy who got cheated on to say, you know what? It's not my fault in that she did what she did, but I'm going to take better charge of my life. I'm going to be more careful about who I choose to be in a relationship with, and I'm going to make sure I'm being at my best so she's not going to do that type of thing. Is there any value in that?
1: Yeah, absolutely there is. And that's something I thought of going forward from my experience that I shared earlier. The danger there is when you do it to try to avoid cheating rather than just for the sake of being your best self or however you want to phrase it. The thing is, if you're not being at your best, if you're not putting all the effort you can into the relationship, then there's always going to be that doubt in your mind. And I think that's one of the big dangers is if you're not fully in a relationship, if you're not putting your full effort in, then you're always going to wonder, if I had done that extra 4%, that extra 10%, would this have still happened to me? And that doubt and that nagging regret and the questions and the not knowing that bothers guys every bit as much as the cheating itself sometimes more so so yeah absolutely there's value in that
0: Yeah, just to kind of challenge what you said a little bit about why cheating happens and it's always most of the time, because I can think of a couple of situations from people that I've known where the woman was feeling like the husband was just working and then he was drinking too much and just really checked out of life, checked out of the relationship. I mean, in that case, is it still her needs? Is it still just she was horny? I guess what the question is, does that ever play into it? where you're like, well, I was, you know, we were in a relationship, technically speaking, but I was jerking off to porn instead of having sex with her. And I was drunk all the time instead of being present in the relationship. I mean.
1: Yeah. You know, I think at that point we might, I think we probably agree. And this might be a bit of a hair splitting distinction, but I would say it wasn't that her needs weren't met. I would say it's that the man wasn't meeting his own needs. If you're drinking all the time, you're not, doing the stuff you want to do, you're not taking good care of yourself, then your partner has nothing to draw from. And so, yeah, her needs aren't being met, but that's kind of secondary to the primary problem of him not meeting his own needs. So, yeah, you could still say it's needs not being met.
0: Yeah. Well, I was just curious. I mean, I'm not putting myself on the same level as you. I don't counsel people. I have never counseled people on this, and I would never counsel people on this. I'd love to help guys do that thing where it's like, come on, be the best self, exercise, eat right, (laughs) sleep well, stress (laughs) management. But I would never say, never go that deep unless I really knew the person and they were coming to me specifically for that. But I was just curious on your take on that. Very interesting. Yeah. If
1: I could just touch a little more. Absolutely.
0: I would say that in
1: the situation you describe, one person's totally checked out and everything. That is a mismanagement on both parts. I mean, for a marriage to get that point or a relationship to get to that point, there has to be so many flags that are missed. There has to be so many opportunities to take corrective action that aren't acted upon. Like, that's a long, slow decline, man. And when it gets to that point, I don't even know if I'd really classify it as cheating anymore. You know, saying the words, we're in a marriage, we're in a relationship, aren't really the same thing, in my opinion, as actually being in a marriage and being part of and being an active part of that marriage.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I want to follow up with one last thing about this and then we can change directions. But you know, one of the things that you asked me about, you're like, Well, you know, have you ever been in situations where you hooked up with guys' girlfriends or wives or whatnot? And you know, I would never get into a situation like what we're talking about where the guy's checked out, the woman's not you know, she's looking for something to fill the void in her life. But there aren't Some other situations where probably in every big city where there's these, well, gold diggers, frankly, and they're with much, much older guys and that are probably not having, (laughs) in this case, their needs met maybe sexually unless uh, he takes like four or five Diagra. But anyway, I don't want to get too crazy, but what I'm really getting at is the situations where we're basically in these relationships where guys are in a relationship with a woman who is just with them for the money. And I almost thought that that particular situation, the, the Miami personal trainer the type of thing, and the girl who hooked up with the trainer, and cause he basically said, I bought her this 70,000, 80,000, $100,000 car. I'm not sure how much <sighs> the Porsche Panamera is, but it seemed like she was with him for the money. And how do we make sure that we're with the woman for the right reasons? So we're not with a woman who's like, yeah, well, you got some money. You're going to pay for me. You're going to buy me purses because I like purses and you're going to buy me a nice car. Cool. Oh, hey, look, the trainer's hot. Oh, and you're just paying for me, so I'm going to go hook up with him. How do we make sure that we're with the right woman? Or even you, man, when you were... I mean, of course, we can attribute your mistakes to your youth, and I have a similar story that I could tell too. I won't. yeah. Um, But oh, okay. where you basically chose the wrong type of woman to be with, right? Because, I mean, that girl sounded crazy, and I've had a few <laughs> yeah, crazy I've women in it. my life who ripped my metaphorically ripped my heart out of my chest. How do we get good about assessing the woman that we're with and making sure we're not with her. Oh, she's so hot. She must be a wonderful woman as well. Uh, Man, you know
1: what? There's a lot of really advanced concepts. I'll try to keep it as simple as possible but the gist of it is obviously the hotter girl is the harder of a time you're going to have being rational about your decisions pussy's a powerful thing man it can make guys do a lot of stupid shit the only real way is to make sure you're solid in yourself because imagine you're really desperate for money the things you'll do the extent to which you'll betray your own values is much higher if you're really really desperate for it and the same thing goes for relationships if you're re- really, really desperate just to have a woman in your life, then you're way more likely to be with a woman who isn't good or healthy for you or to be with somebody for the wrong reasons. The best thing you can do is to make sure you're not trying to fill any kind of voids or do it for validation or for props from your buddies or you know, just so you can say that you got a trophy wife.
0: Yeah. So look into your own values, making sure that the woman that you choose to be with, what she is, you're not doing desperate things just because you're a little crazy because she's so hot. Yeah. And obviously also watch out for crazy bitch behaviors, right?
1: Like one thing I did before I went out to meet who I eventually met and am engaged to now, I wrote out a list of things that I was looking for and why I wanted those things. And I actually still have it saved somewhere, but I think the top ones were like, I wanted somebody to go on adventures with to just say, hey, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's drive down to Vancouver or whatever. And we did stuff like that. And just all these things aside from the typical sex and companionship. And that really helps you stay focused on what you're looking for. And it also helps you become aware of maybe blind spots you might have or reasons why you want this relationship that you might not be aware of. And it helps you keep things in check. Another good thing to do is to write down behaviors. What will you tolerate? What won't you? Generally, the crazier people are early on, the worse. It's going to be exponentially worse (laughs) later on. We all censor ourselves and it's like you don't say crazy shit to strangers, but you'll say crazy shit or maybe hurtful shit to people you know really well. And the same thing is true. When you're just getting to know someone, they're usually holding back quite a bit. So you can just take what you see, multiply it by like 10 or 100 or whatever, and that's what you're going to get down the road.
0: Yeah, that's interesting hearing that from you, because that's something that I think we hear casually mentioning conversations about the, whoa, if it's bad now, it's not going to get better. Yeah,
1: cliches are often true for a reason.
0: Yeah. Let's touch on one more thing. Society today is I don't want to say there's like a war on men. Some people say that, but it's definitely- it feels like it sometimes, doesn't it? Not to me. Maybe we can get into that in a second, but definitely there is this thing where women are kind of pushing guys like, oh, you want to date a bunch of women, have sex with a bunch of women? Wait, there's something wrong with you. Why are you doing that? Why do you want to do with that? There must be something wrong with you. Why don't you want to be in a relationship with just one woman and not, you know? You'll get that. I personally don't get that. Maybe I do, I just don't. Probably has to do with the industry. I'm exposed to a lot of that. Right. Well, I know guys who are, bombarded with that in fact this young guy was complaining about it the other day and what do you have to say to the guys who maybe they're like well i'd like a relationship but i don't really know what the hell i want and maybe i need to have some experiences what do you say to that guy who wants to have those experiences but he's got society he's got maybe religion beating him down for wanting to do that he's got outspoken women because it's not in their best interest to have guys doing that type of behavior what do you say to that guy
1: I say, fuck everybody, do what you need to do. The only person who knows what's best for you and what you need is you. Sometimes people ask me that. They're like, what should I do, man? Or couples will ask, you know, what should we do? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I've been seeing you for a total of four hours. I don't know what's best for you. Only you know that. Not your family, not your friends, not your friends priest, not your therapist. Nobody but you can answer that question. And I say to the guys who want to go and experience, go do it. I took a whole year off where I didn't do shit. I lived off my savings. All I did was drink, do drugs, party and try to meet girls. Those were my main objectives in life. And for a year straight, that's all I did. I got it out of my system. I'm very happy I did it because now I don't have to wonder about it. I don't have to think, oh, was this a mistake settling down? Maybe I want to go hire a couple escorts, pick up an eight ball and do a bunch of coke tonight. I mean, that stuff is not, <laughs> not saying I did that specifically or anything, but that's kind of the stuff that you want to get out of your system. You want to do all the stuff that you can't do in a relationship before you start settling
0: down. Otherwise, chances are, it'll come back to bite you in the ass later. Yeah. Get it out of your system. Make sure it's out of your system. So you know what those types of girls are and, and what they bring to the table versus very well high quality women, like the one that you're with right now. And yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, how about this? This is something I mentioned way back when in our interview many, many minutes ago. But Ryan, there is something called, I may be off on the terminology, so just bear with me, but positive psychology versus Looking into your past and why mommy wasn't there or didn't hug you enough and daddy. I don't mean to belittle because I've had some of that, but belittle those types of experiences. But how much should we work on like our messed up past, whatever that may be? versus focusing on what we want to achieve in our life to bring us fulfillment, happiness, and all that other good purpose, mastery, autonomy.
1: Yeah. Well, when I was starting out on my journey, for example, of trying to figure out my own issues, I would go until I experienced a problem that I couldn't really solve by being positive or being intellectual, and I had to reflect. So I would say don't think about your past just to think about your past if your past happens to suck. If you think you're having some kind of problems that are stopping you from doing what you want to do in your life, by all means, go back and think about it. But I would say for the vast majority of people, it's more important to focus on what you want to do in life and what kind of lifestyle you want to lead and making sure that what you want to do is truly coming from a place of internal desire rather than because your parents expect it of you or society expects it from you than sitting and reflecting on, like you said, what damages happened in my childhood, what past experiences are, are holding me back. I would only dive into that stuff if you're trying to do the, the thing I just talked about and move forward but are having trouble with it.
0: Wow. You know, I've never heard anybody say it like that or say that at all. So charge forward, go after what you want to achieve, go after your goals. And if you feel if you find yourself not able to achieve a certain goal, maybe do some introspection and or talk to a person like you and try to figure out what it is that's keeping you from forming a new habit like exercise or working hard enough to build your business or whatever it may be. Very interesting, Ryan, cool. We've talked about so many different things in this interview and you've given so much great advice and great concepts and and if you had to tell the guy listening right now who wants to improve his life, one thing to do to make sure he's gonna have good relationships, dating, whatever, what would it be?
1: Be conscious and think. Think about why you do what you do. Think about where your decisions are coming from. Think about why you're experiencing and feeling the things that you're feeling. Your beliefs, your identity, the body you inhabit is either limiting or empowering. And if you're not shaping the body you're in, if you're not shaping the mind you're in, then you're not going to achieve the same results you could if you took the time to work on that and align your mental and physical efforts with your goals.
0: Great. And how much does health and fitness play into what you do with your patients?
1: Uh, Huge, man. You know what? The further we go into mental fitness and physiological research on the brain, the more we discover there's actually a pretty substantial two-way relationship. It's not just healthy mind, healthy body. It's actually healthy body, healthy mind. If you're not exercising, that's a depressant. A lot of people, they have it twisted. They say that, oh, exercising is an antidepressant. No, exercising keeps you straight. It keeps you normal. (laughs) If you're not exercising, you're actually depressing yourself. The relationship is a lot bigger than I would say the vast majority of people acknowledge right now. And hopefully that'll start to change as this stuff becomes more mainstream.
0: Oh man, I'm going to steal that, Ryan. I really like that a lot. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Definitely. What you said is so true I've never heard it said like that before, but it's like, yeah, you're suffering from a lack of exercise in your life. You don't have a headache because you have an aspirin deficiency, but you definitely have depression because you have an exercise deficiency. Yeah, I've never thought about it that way. And like you said, there is just more and more research coming out and hormones and neurophysiology that you uh, bet. yeah very cool well awesome ryan this has been such an amazing interview and just talking with you i really enjoy every yeah, conversation thanks for having me on, man. if someone wants to learn more about what you do and read some of your great articles where can they find you
1: RyanAnswers.com. I have articles, podcasts, and videos Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Also have a free newsletter and a free ebook dropping next week as well.
0: Awesome. It's been great connecting with you again, talking with you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and most importantly, your time. How about a final word for the guys listening? I would say, if I had to sum it up in
1: one sentence... Take the time to figure your own shit out and don't worry about the expectations of other people.